Greetings, my friend, and welcome to Beyond Curious, conversations with brave adventurers like yourself that are taking voyages into the unknown to satisfy their curiosity, fulfill their purpose, and bring their ideas to life. I'm Brandon Fong. I so appreciate you for being here, and I'm beyond excited to introduce you to today's guest, Kyle Gray. And I believe that there's dormant geniuses all around the world, and so... My purpose is to help those with great stories, with great visions for making this world better, who are empowering others and allowing others to connect with their genius and their purpose to wake up and light up and be aligned with the very deepest parts of themselves. Man, if you know me, my life's mission is to create a more deeply connected world by catalyzing curiosity, and I am so excited to introduce you to Kyle because we are on very similar missions, and before I get to Kyle's bio, I want to share with you three specific things I would love for you to listen to in today's episode. Number one, the life cycle of a story. I had never thought about the fact that stories have a life cycle, so if you have been intentional about crafting stories or sharing stories, There is a time when it's actually the sweet spot. There's a time when it gets too old and there's a time when it's actually too early to be telling a story. So how do you actually tell and determine what story life cycle you're in and when to tell the most effective one? So look out for that. Thing number two, listen to the three act play of an unforgettable origin story. So if you want to connect deeper with the people that you want to connect with the most, how do you tell more effective stories? And Kyle has a three-part framework on how to do that. And then number three, today is actually a very unique episode because a few days prior to recording this, Kyle offered me a session. So we dive deep. We dove deep and he asked me a bunch of questions to uncover my new origin story. And then he actually turned the tables and spit back out the origin story from the questions that he learned. So that was earlier. And then on this episode, we played that chunk of Kyle actually telling my story. And I took the time to actually go back and write a second variation of it. So you'll hear me get coached. You'll hear me implement the coaching and then you'll hear hear Kyle in action as he shares this. So at this point, if you're wondering who is Kyle, let me share his bio. Kyle Gray is a world-class presentation coach, story strategist, and author who helps coaches, startups, and executives use storytelling to better communicate their unique value and improve sales with their audience. He combines timeless storytelling with cutting-edge marketing to ensure you've got the right story to tell while presenting on a sales call or in conversation both online and offline. Guys, I am so passionate about storytelling. Conscious storytelling is one of my primary core values. And anytime there is somebody that is sharing an insight that can help you tell more effective stories to other people or more effective stories to yourself that are empowering, um, this is always a topic that I want to dive deeper into. So Kyle brought some massive wisdom to contribute to this conversation about storytelling and specifically how you can actually leverage storytelling to unlock more of your genius and put that out into the world in a more effective way. So I'm super excited for you to listen to this conversation. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with my friend, Kyle Gray. Mr. Kyle Gray. Welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here, man. This is going to be so much fun. (laughs) Brandon, this has been several years and weeks and months in the making in all different kinds of ways. I'm so excited to yeah, be here on this new, like, refresh, reinvented uh, Beyond Curiosity podcast. Hell yeah, dude. And it, it's so funny that you you say it's been a few years because usually when I have the time to bring someone on the show, it's my excuse to lovingly stalk them. And I was part of stalking you is crazy because you and I go back seven years now, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, as a 27 year old, seven years is a good chunk of my life and a good chunk of your life. But I was just going to share with you because I thought it'd be kind of funny. And then people have some kind of context on how you and I have kind of like been in the periphery of each other's worlds for several years now. But um, you originally wrote a book called The College Entrepreneur. And I saw that and I actually ended up publishing a book several months after you do that was about the college world. So you were like a few steps ahead of me there. And then you started the podcast August 2018. I started mine November 2020, so a few years later there. And I also found out you've done all this traveling. You studied abroad in Spain. I studied abroad in Spain. You've been to Chiang Mai. So I feel like I've been just 
following along with Kyle Gray's journey. And then like we got put into the same orbit again with our mutual friends, Justin Breen and Charles Bird, and our Colby's are kind of similar. So that's, that's my history of keeping you up. So it's been an honor to kind of play alongside you. And I'm really excited to introduce you to everyone today. So thanks for, thanks for being here and ready to play for a lot, man. <laughs> you know, I'm astounded that like I had a, I had a sense of, you know, I knew about all of these things, but when you connect the dots all like that, that's uh it's really powerful. And uh, yeah, um, I, I'm excited for the next set. <laughs> for sure. For sure, man. So I thought a beautiful place to start would be to talk about your current understanding of like your purpose. So we kind of touched on this earlier on this week when you and I hung out and I listened to another podcast and you, you're talking about how you feel like your skill sets are dramatically aligned with this human resources crisis. And I think this is a really cool thing to set the foundation for because you got some big visions and it's really cool to see how you leverage your strengths of storytelling to kind of play into this. So I'd love for you to kind of start by sharing that. Thank you so much. Um, there is, I, everybody knows about what the the natural resources or environmental resources crisis is. Um, and whatever your stance on it, it is you're you're probably at least familiar with it you know enough to have a conversation and an opinion and i believe that there is a bigger problem that is is more pervasive and it's the human resources crisis and i believe all around the world right now there are einsteins who stay working at box factories i can't remember his story or there's girls like malala that ended up being coerced and got off the bus. And and there's great people that have, uh, with the potential to solve all of the biggest problems and challenges we're facing and need right now, and they're just not connected with their vision and their message and their story in the right way. And I just wonder, like, what, what would we have missed out on if we didn't have Einstein, we didn't have Malala, or any great person that you can think of. Um, <clears throat> and I believe that there's dormant geniuses all around the world. And so my purpose is to help those with great stories, with great visions for making this world better, who are empowering others and allowing others to connect with their genius and their purpose to wake up and light up and be aligned with the very deepest parts of themselves. And how I tell stories is not just about writing a keynote speech to make you a bunch of money, which definitely is like, great. I love that. But it's about being able to articulate who you are on, on such a deep and powerful level that it changes how you show up in the world. And when you can really get that level of clarity, um, oftentimes for the biggest leaders and founders and change makers out there, the, the largest problems that you're facing in your business get out of the way and they get out of their own way and often embody a much more artistic legacy fulfillment uh, oriented kind of way of seeing the world and doing things. And I think that that's what we need so much of right now as a as a country in the United States, as a planet and as a culture of entrepreneurs and coaches and creators, I think we we need to be the leaders in this time where everything's changing and we are uh, built for that. Mm, full body chills right now, man. I'm that's so beautiful. And another like part of the fact that our journeys have been so similar. It's like that's I view my purpose is to create a more deeply connected world and we're using the same exact language. It's like we're help we're both in our own ways helping people to connect with that more authentic version of themselves that can then be expressed and allow for deeper connection and more expansion and more collaboration, which is amazing. And I, I would love to continue on this a little bit by expanding. You, you kind of touched on it about the human resource crisis being linked to more effective storytelling. Another reason why you and I are having this conversation right now and why we've been in each other's orbit is uh, storytelling has been super, super important to me. One of my core values is conscious storytelling. And I believe that our stories are the medium of our realities. Like the stories that we choose to tell ourselves and the, 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 the stories that we choose to tell others is literally what creates our reality for today. So um, I know you've, I don't know if this is co directly correlated, but I heard you talk about in different contexts, copywriting for the soul. And it seems like you've kind of been able to leverage 
storytelling for yourself as a way to uncover more of who you are. And then also you've been able to package that in a way that is helping to solve this human resources crisis. So I would love to kind of like zoom in a little bit more on this correlation between the human resources crisis and more effective storytelling. Yeah. So there's a certain thread of my story that we can point to, and then I'll give a story about somebody I worked with to really point to how sure. how copywriting for the soul works. So along with uh, mastering expression in many different ways, from being a musician, from traveling the world and learning other languages, to being a blogger and a podcaster and a copywriter, and in many different stages of evolution of that over 10 years now. And <clears throat> Um, along with mastering my communication, um, in my twenties, I had a health, my own health, dark night of the soul. I had an autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's disease, which mm. came from diving probably, well, there's lots of things that add up to it, but I dove into an Amazonian river and got really sick. And I think it changed the course of my health for a long time. And I didn't know how to deal with that or to manage that. And so a few years later, I couldn't hike more than a quarter mile without some serious knee pain. I had anxiety all the time, no matter how hard I was working or how many Tony Robbins books I read. My jaw felt like it was about to fall off my face. And I remember being at a helping facilitate a speaker's workshop, helping people uh, position themselves as authorities and thought leaders and get booked on more stages. And this one happened to be filled with health and wellness experts. And this one woman uh, said, hey, my name is Dr. Greg Slew, and I help people overcome chronic autoimmune diseases through gut health. And um, I was like, oh, your ideal client must want this and do this and try and do that. And uh, she was like, you need to come work with me. And this uh, health condition that I had uh, that that was once one of the greatest, darkest curse. I remember the first coach I ever had, one of the things he told me was like, uh, Hashimoto's might be your superpower. And I laughed at him. Ha! Mm. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, but uh, through the course of this journey and process, I, I it helped me build out a niche working in like functional medicine and high-end cash-based health practices, which allowed me to get a grip on my health in my late 20s and early 30s and have a new lease on life in a lot of ways. And along with mastering my personal health, I started learning about mental health. And at a particular event that was meant for like health experts, um, I met uh, a guy who does story work internally. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and so... Uh, I have been a copywriter for a long time, and I started seeing how using the same techniques that I would use to write out a headline and be like, is this catchy enough? You can have people write out the stories of their experiences, and you can play with them and have them read it out loud. And just having them read it out loud is a somatic experience that they can reflect on and move mm. through so uh, uh, now for the example of what this is like in action, and it'll bring it all together. I had a, a client, a health coach, come on to a call with me, the same call that we had um, earlier. And she was very stressed out. A lot of times when people, even people at very high ranks, when they're like, upgrading their visibility and upgrading their story and really drawing from a more vulnerable place, a lot of these stories that they're telling start to come up. Yeah. And this one woman was like, well, Kyle, I'm stressed out. And I said, Donna, what's, what's the problem? And she's like, well, I have, I have these women, they come to me with hormone problems and I'm fixing them. And I was like, that doesn't sound like a problem to me. And she's like, but I want to work with, with parents and children with ADHD. And I just don't know if I can focus on both of these audiences at the same time. And, uh, you know what I, I, just discovered recently that I have ADHD and I've been looking back at decades of dopamine driven decisions that have led my life every which way. <laughs> I just keep thinking to myself, if my parents had only known they could have done something. And I said, Donna, do you want to play a game? She's like, okay. I'm amazed that at people, they just, they, they allow, allow the games to happen. But anyway, um, I say, write down what you just said. 
If my parents had only known, they could have done something. And you're going to read that out loud, take a big breath, read it out loud, take a big breath, read it out loud, take a big breath. Do that. How does that feel? Bad? Perfect. We're on the right track. That feels bad. Let's try and change it one word at a time. This is the one word game. So let's, uh, we, we negotiate what word we should change and we change it to, if I had only known, I could do something. Read, breathe, read, breathe. How does that feel? A little bit better, still not good. Okay, that's the right direction. Okay, I know now I can do something. Closer, warmer, and I ask her, hey, what's the one of the biggest reasons that somebody would object to working with someone like you? And immediately she's like, oh, they don't want to open up a box of worms. A parent that uh, that gets a child with an ADHD diagnosis, all these things have to happen. They have to do all these things to take care of it. And they would rather just ignore it and pretend it's not there. I say, Donna, what does that lead to? It leads to decades of dopamine-driven decisions that would lead your life every which way. And she's like, oh, my God. And she gets it for the first time. And we change the line to, I know now, and that's why my message is so important. Mm. And now she's ready to tell a story. Now she's dialed in. This is the the alignment that changes, again, who you are before we can do that. Now she's ready to play. Tell me a story about somebody in your life that has been experiencing ADHD symptoms. And we start. She starts talking about her grandson and witnessing her grandson bouncing around like a young kid would with ADHD. Um, and the boy's father shouting, trying to calm him down. And they both end up frustrated and exasperated. And she sees this young boy and she wonders, she knows exactly what's going on because she just got diagnosed with ADHD. And she sees herself in that boy and looks back on decades of dopamine driven decisions that have led her life every which way. She thinks to herself, if my parents had only known they could have done something. And in that realization right now, she knows that she can do something. And so the important part about this story is that the line that was the most disempowered, despairing line she said, beginning on this call, became one of the most powerful objection overcoming tools. We didn't change the words at all. But we changed entirely how we related to mm. the words. And that is the internal process. That's copywriting for the soul. And and this is the, the really beautiful thing about this process that I'm still working on articulating as I'm a recovering achievement ROI only oriented guy is that this medicine changes how you set your goals, what you prioritize, how you approach your business and creates a lot of space, the space that I think a lot of people at these very high levels are craving, but are often so burdened by the success and the busyness that they've created that they don't even have space to make space for their own genius anymore. That was epic and masterful to answer the question with the stories in a really beautiful way. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna plant make a comment and plant a few seeds and then I, I want to return to those seeds slightly later as we'll see if, see how this works out. But one of the things that as you were telling that story, I was observing and then also drawing the correlation between our earlier session this week is that one of your unique abilities is asking effective questions that pull out the emotional components of a story that I'll then give you the Lego blocks to then re create a story in a more effective way, or at least allow them to kind of recreate the story in an effective way for themselves that makes more sense and does some healing and then simultaneously some transformation externally. So I, I would love to eventually, this is the seed planting, I want to dive into some of those questions that you ask, because I think that's part of your genius and what you walked me through is like how you structure your questions to pull out stories. So that's that's the seed plan. But before we get there, I want to talk about this concept that you and I were also talking about earlier because I think it's really relevant. Because for you listening right now, if you're listening and you're like, I don't have an origin story or I don't feel like I have those stories, what I've started to realize is that 
as you grow and evolve, there is a constant need for telling a more effective stories and stories have a life cycle. So if you go back a few years ago and you listen to the stories I would tell, I told this like free lunch story all the time about how I went from the free lunch program to connecting with really uh, successful people. And what I've realized that I've had to actually shed that version of the story and evolve into a new story. And that's where Kyle and I are going to dive into some stuff and he's helped me work through this. So I'm really curious to share that with you. But Kyle, I would love for you to kind of share a little bit about your experience as well about the evolution of stories over time and how you would support someone in thinking through what the effective stories should be that they should tell as their kind of origin stories. Absolutely. That's a great question. And one of the most interesting aspects of what I'm working on right now. So let's break down what the life cycles of stories are and how that how each of them feel. Uh, the first story, or the earliest life cycle of a story is too soon. And we probably know what too soon looks like and feels like. It's when you really haven't integrated the energy and it's kind of like a vulnerability bomb in front of people. And you're not really... What, what happens is these are good, strong emotions, just like what I was talking about in the earlier story that we can transmute. But if you haven't done the work to transmute those, then you don't have a right to be sharing the story yet, or it's not healthy for you or anybody to receive that story. And so, and you, you don't have control of the powerful energy. The next life cycle is the sweet spot. There is that powerful energy that you can connect with, but you are also able to control yourself and keep your composure and use it with intention. And this is what the kind of stories that we always want to be capturing. And so these are stories that are going to be relating to the limits of your own comfort zones in some ways. Maybe you've, you've probably advanced beyond them, but um, there's got to be something that still resonates enough with you to translate over to the audience. And then the third life cycle is, it's the too old, it's an expired story. And that was like the story you were mentioning. Or I had another client, uh, Beth Berry, who came on to, to craft an origin story. And she has been working with high achieving mothers for over 15 years. And she had been using the origin story of being a busy mom with two young babies and balancing a business and things. But by the time she came to me, she had, she had her daughters were about to go off to college and related to them in a very different way and didn't couldn't relate to the problems of the young mothers in the same way that she used to and felt that and needed to reconnect with herself and her vision and this newly evolved version of herself. And so we crafted a story around that. And so with, with having an awareness, um, and this is, this is uh, going back to kind of the questions and the structuring, I have an awareness of the dimensionality of stories. So I'm, I'm assessing it, okay, where's the emotion in this? What is the specific goal for the specific thing that we want to achieve? And there's lots of little lenses, just like this one, that you can be constantly applying to stories. And what this does for you over time, it's not just about telling a good story, but it, and asking the questions is when you do understand what specifically a story needs and what somebody's listening for, then you can extract that and start to, um, yeah, the, this is where mm. you can ask the right questions from reverse engineering. What's the goal of this particular bit of communication? Um, I want to zoom in on one component of that because like you, I think this is really helpful as a heuristic for people to think about is like what, when they're considering to tell a story, how they can really quickly determine. You talked about how the sweets or the the too soon story, everybody I think can kind of like understand that it's like it's messy, you haven't fully processed it. And like, if you shared it with people, it would just kind of be awkward because like you're not even over it yourself. I wanted to They'd talk be about wondering if you're OK. Yeah, and right. That's exactly. Not what we want to do for our so, clients. Yeah. So here's my hypothesis for the opposite for a too old of a story. Is it true to say that like it just doesn't resonate with you anymore? Like you feel like you're not connecting to it anymore? Like what is the like how can you tell when a story is expired? What are some of the ways that you come to understand that and for your clients as well? Great question. And this is, um, this usually is the story is kind of underperforming, but um, it's good enough. It's like, this has been good enough. Um, and I've been, I've been working with this for a long time and I don't want to change what I have because this, this formula works. And if I change things, it might get thing. And I definitely don't want to start on the, with the, 
with a blank slate drawing board. That's horrifying. I've got 78 fires I need to put out by tomorrow. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but uh, another thing is like, it doesn't feel authentic for you to tell it anymore mm. because mm. it's not like the problem that you are struggling with doesn't have any hold on you anymore. You don't, you don't feel it anymore. Um, another great example of this is uh, somebody I've worked with, Alex Moscow, who would tell a story about having a stutter. Um, and he has has continued to have a stutter occasionally, but he's just integrated uh, that part of himself and he's not worried about it and he's not fearing about it. So talking about having a stutter, it's inauthentic and creates that same experience that we don't want to create. It mm. creates the same. You you are it feels like lying in a weird way. Um, because you need to like conjure these fake emotions to get it to come across. And so the, the stories become draining for you. And a lot of the times this means you don't invest in much in speaking. You don't look for podcasts to go on and you stop seeing opportunities. One thing I notice is, is when you're, when you have stories that are in the sweet spot, opportunities start to appear and you start to see them and people invite mm. you to things when you're tuned in the, the world knows when you're tuned in mm. and and then you like as your stories start to decay that half-life starts to decay and and those opportunities start stop and then usually people get more busy and more burnt out and more stressed mm. Oh man, that's so cool. I just want to make a few comments on it. Cause one of the things that I realized, and I don't know where I heard this, but for just for context too. So I've done a lot of study of storytelling. And if you're listening and you haven't heard of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, it's like this proven cycle that all stories tell. If you kind of watch, you can kind of see the patterns. But in, in the in my past studies of the hero's journey, I'm like, oh, it's this 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 journey that ends. But what I realized is the journey is more of like a cycle and a circle. Like the 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 beginning, the death of one story is the beginning of another story. And it's is kind of like messy tying multiple things together. But have you read Principles by Ray Dalio, Kyle, or like seen the graphics or the book at all? Yeah. Okay. So like if, if and I would encourage anyone to watch this, there's like a 30 minute summary of Principles because Principles is intense, but he has like this graphic and yeah. he constantly shows this like looping image. If you can imagine like an, an upward trajectory arrow and then a downward spike, uh, site cycle and then it like loops up higher so what that's what i've kind of realized is like what stories are and i guess i never really correlated the fact that there's like there is a literal death of a story where it's like oh i don't feel like this resonates with anymore and you have to kind of like re as you reinvent you have to rebirth and intentionally constantly create uh new stories that are going to connect with your next level self and then also as you evolve you need to evolve the people that you're working with as well and so that story needs to constantly be upgraded and matching so i appreciate you adding some language to things that i didn't fully understand before <laughs> let me uh, further dimensionalize this a little bit just on the end here yeah um so one of the biggest uh, misconceptions, particularly about the origin story, which is where most people talk about and what most people want and receive. And it's like the most tangible story. There's a ton more, but the origin story is not about your origin, although that's often the first one that we do. If you see this a little differently, you're going to start to see opportunities for stories everywhere. The origin story is the origin of the problem. Mm. The origin of the moment that you couldn't deal with the problem, tolerate the problem anymore, and you needed the change. And if you see that as the origin, then there will all of a sudden start to be constellations of story ideas appearing for you about when can I start this? Because a lot of times we feel like, well, I have my origin story of how I got into the biz. That's all the stories I need. See you later. Not true. <laughs> you can be, this is, this is like, I see it like a movement, like a martial art, like an origin story is a certain kind of punch. And if you know that movement and practice that movement, then you can do that like a martial artist does it naturally and, and without thought. Yeah. And that's the ultimate goal. Amazing. I, I, I love that. And it's so it's this is the thing I have to constantly remind myself, like chatting with someone like you, I get super excited because I love nerding out about story. Uh, and I, I want to make sure that we're coloring, filling in the 
the the the gaps between some things with our friends that maybe earlier on on telling their stories more effectively. So what I would love to do, Kyle, is to dive into you have like a framework you've helped to develop for people to tell their origin story. But before we get there, let's let's go back up to like the thirty thousand foot view. So for somebody that has never like consciously constructed a story that needs to be told, that whether this could be used um, as the origin story about the movement that you're creating or the business that you have, or you're telling it on a, a podcast or a webinar or one-on-one with a client, I would love for you to kind of just share the importance of this origin story piece before we break into it. Great. So you want to see a talk or communication and as instead of like when most people want to tell a story, they're like, I want a story that'll sell my $50,000 product. And I'm like, great. Um, but that's not told in one story and it's going to take a sequence of stories and micro yeses. And so when we can break each down to like what, what, is the goal we actually want to achieve. And the goal we want to achieve with an origin story is we want to create a human connection and enough trust so that people actually want to listen to what we have to teach. Because a lot of people have the misconception of, well, I'm smart and I have smart things to say, and that's what people want the meat and potatoes. So I just dive right into it. Like it's an honors college class or something like that, but it's not how it is. We need to actually trust you and have a human context now more than ever Mm -hmm. before we will actually start start to listen or be present and engaged and attentive when you are speaking. So that's what an origin story does. So we can break that down a little bit further to do this. My my favorite formula is a very simple three-act play. Three scenes, three moments that allows us to just pick a, a few simple moments that are probably not all the moments in the story, but it's enough to convey the details. And most people they need to cut away 90% and just find that little bit. And this is a great way to do it. So, and here's how I structure my questions and find this. In act one, we talk about the the painful moment that you can't take it anymore, that you were at a low, low point and something really needed to change. And I want, I when I'm drawing out this moment, Um, I start by first asking about their clients and what the client's pain is and what their frustrations are and what their fears are. And I start asking you like what that's like. And we kind of immerse ourselves in the feeling. And then when you're immersed in it, just by answering questions, kind of like it's a therapy session, all of a sudden I ask, when did you feel like this? Mm. And it allows you to, uh, without being so much in your, in your brain brain, immerse yourself into a feeling and then probably associate stories that maybe you have told before, maybe you haven't told before, probably you didn't want to tell before and um, find those. And we, I can start to ask questions. I like a good story needs uh, dimensional details. So I ask things like, well, where were you specifically? What was the room like? What did it smell like when you were in there? And drawing out that moment, we don't need every, it doesn't need to be an Edgar Allan Poe poem, but it needs to have a few details. And um, then we go to act two. Wait, wait, hold on. I want to, I want to pull out a a piece of brilliance that you had there, because let me, let me add something here too. Or what was it? Tuesday that we hung out, we did this. So, so this is the set today. We're recording this on a Friday. Kyle and I had talked on Tuesday and Kyle does this amazing thing where he walks people through this process of exactly what he's talking about right here. So literally this is so fresh for me. And now it's really cool. Cause I feel like I get to see under the hood of what was happening to me on Tuesday. So I wanted to kind of just zoom in on something that was a huge realization with the fact that we have the Tuesday session. And right now for me is the concept of asking questions to first get someone into emotion, an emotional state and then leveraging that emotional state to identify other stories that have that same emotional resonance from your own life that you said it really quickly. And I I just didn't want people to miss that. And I think that's one of the benefits of working with someone like you, Kyle, is because like doing this on yourself is pretty damn hard, if not impossible. (laughs) It's like operating as a, so, so, but, but I I just wanted to pick that out and that was really cool. And what we're going to do, Kyle and I talked about this is at the end of Kyle asking all these amazing questions, he stops the recording, starts it again, and tells your origin story. And it was an epic experience. So what we're going to do, I don't want to, I'm putting a pause because we're going to finish this. But what we're going to do after this is we're going to insert the audio clip 
of Kyle telling my story. And then Kyle knowing that I was a high quick start was like, let me see what the hell you could do with this by Friday. <laughs> so I wrote the next version of it. I will share that for the first ever time. I've never shared it uh, with anyone in this format before. And then we'll go back to it. But I just, it'll be cool. And I wanted to plant this seed so that you listening can not only follow along with Kyle teaching the three acts, but then you'll get to see it into action. And then you'll also learn about some of the effective questions that you can begin to ask yourself or support other people in asking. Uh, Because what I found is that when you support people to tell a more effective story, it connects you both simultaneously. It connects you deeper with yourself as the recipient, but the person that created that space for you, you develop a deeper relationship with them because they gave you that space to share that which is really important to you. So that was a huge like, side tangent little thing, but thank you for sharing that. So we have the the three act play, the painful moment. And uh, you asked some questions around there. We'd love for you to kind of either add any concluding thoughts to that, but dive into the the next act of the play. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. With, with concluding thoughts, what you're hinting at and what we're about to go through is some of the more deeper and subtle beauty of what I do. It's not just about having the story created. A lot of people take it and then think they're done, but it's about workshopping and being challenged and having the friction and having somebody that can hold the intellectual space for you as an expert and be able to guide your thoughts and observe things that you can't see. This is where the real magic of like when we're working somebody for a long time, when we can pull out those gems. So I'm super excited. But now, Back to act two. (laughs) Um, Act two is like your Rocky montage. So act one was the painful moment. And now act two, you decide to go out on a journey to put together your solution. Now, a lot of people try and start to teach here and you don't want to do that. No, but you do want to talk about like the specific ingredients to what's unique about you or your solution. I wanted a workout program that I could do just in five minutes a day to fit in with my busy schedule. I wanted something that would fit for me. I wanted something that would solve my unique problem. And I started weaving these things together. And over the course of a lot of costly and painful mistakes, I had to work hard, folks, (laughs) to do this so that I have the shortcut for you today. I came to the solution. And then we get to act three, which is the opposite side of the coin of act one. Everything that was painful, and we can translate it. We translate it using the same copywriting for the soul that I used with with that health coach example earlier. We can take what we wrote out as their pain points and write them as exactly what they want. And then I immerse them in the feeling of of the, the success that they want to create, the feelings that they want to create in their clients and ask them about a moment when they experience that. And in the same way, draw out the details. And when I have all of those pieces of data, um, I have been practicing with the three act play and there's tons of little like sub moves in here, like a universalizing statement that even if your story is really different or really extreme, that you can make the truth of your story land for everybody. Um, But there's lots of tiny little things woven together that I've just practiced hundreds, if not thousands of times now that I can take this information and then share it, which is where we'll explore now. Yeah, that's epic. I always love to synthesize and summarize for our friends listening right now, because I know when I listen to podcasts, half the time my hands are wet. Uh, from dish soap or I'm on a I'm running or something like that. But if you if you want to take notes or if you want a summary, we got the three act play. Part one is the painful moment. What was that moment where you were sitting in the the ugliness of this? And also just to add before I even get there, I think the huge takeaway for me is that the origin story is the origin of the problem, not you. So that, that was really cool. I never heard that said before. So what was the origin of the problem came from that painful moment? And then after the painful moment, how do you then show like a, a pivot or a montage in Acts 2 that moves you through revealing what the solution was without doing the full teaching. And then that conclusion of uh, kind of the transformation in act three of representing what happened. So um, Kyle, I think this is a good point where we will like play the clip for our friends listening of our, of, of our session earlier. So before we play that for them, is there any context that you want to add before they, they hear this, this version here of my story (laughs) that you shared of my own yeah. Um, again, I think the the exciting thing about this is that this is something that just with a series of questions that about a, a conversation, as long as this podcast has been 
that is something that can be drawn out. And the gift of the the story and the power itself is great. But yeah, like the the magic here is the understanding of the storytelling frameworks and the ability to listen. And this is possible for you. And this is something you probably haven't ever considered even as a thing. But you can listen and create and craft these stories with the same amount of precision, with the same amount of ease for your audience. These are learnable, simple methods. Amazing. And I'm just going to say, because you're you're about to listen and hear the story, but I'm going to I'm going to double emphasize something because I, I realized this as you were teaching, Kyle, like the opening scene of the story that you tell at, at, or you, you slash I tell, or that you're going to tell, <laughs> you know, whoever it's my story, but you're saying it is, uh, it happens in Lake Michigan. And I don't think I would have come up with that as the starting point if you hadn't immersed me in those feelings beforehand. And then that's when that memory came up of this being like a low point for me. So, um, I'll just say that so you can kind of hear Kyle's teaching weaved in throughout with the story. So I guess what we'll do is we'll have, uh, we'll, we'll play the audio clip right now of that version of Kyle sharing it. And then I'm going to come back and Kyle hasn't heard this yet, but I'm going to share uh, my V2 version of it. And then we'll kind of, we'll riff from there and it'll be a lot of fun. But uh, I guess enjoy listening to Kyle's magic of my story. December, Lake Michigan. I'm walking towards the freezing cold water. Taking off my shirt, stripping down to just my swim trunks on a cloudy day. The few people that are there with me in the park are wondering why somebody would be going into the water. And I start to step in and feel the cold water on my feet up to my knees up to my waist and my chest and my neck. And even in the deep freezing intensity of this, I still can't let go of what's happening inside of me, the intensity, the storm that's raging inside of me. I've just experienced a moment where Everyone I thought I could trust and everything that I had been building for years. And my world had been turned upside down and it had all been taken away from me. I didn't know who my friends were. And everything that I thought was my me fulfilling my purpose had now just gone out, gone out the window. I gave away my power in so many different ways that I'm not even like fully prepared to, to share in all the details, but it was there in that water when I realized that something needed to change. I had skills in connection and community building and outreach, and I knew that I could dig myself out of this and change my life and change my perspective, but I needed to upgrade how I was doing this. Actually, excuse me. Um, yeah, we don't need that. I needed to reinvent myself and my business. I realized that I wasn't connected with my zone of genius and needed to begin to engage with that in every way possible and be able to create my space before I was giving too much of myself away and working for other people and working and helping to find inspiration from others instead of myself. Next, I needed to align with people that were true believers and true partners and true creators not gurus making false promises or somebody that would lead people that were all showing up ready to contribute and share and challenge each other. And most importantly, I needed to re-engage with play and curiosity and the spaciousness and brilliance that came with that. And I started reaching out to people and coming up with ways for how I could discover that in myself. And friends, it took uh, many years and a lot of costly and painful mistakes. But I started to 
really get clear on a vision for a place and a time that could work for me. And I started finding this incredible Airbnb in the hills of Park City and invited people that I was certain would just light me up. Some people that I would adore to be around at any time. And I started figuring out what different activities and experiences can we have together that would create great connection with each other and also create the pattern breaks and inspiration that could allow these big shifts to happen, that could allow our lives to change. And I knew I was onto something after carrying out this event with 20 people. And even after the event was done and we had all closed the container, people were sticking around and helping and cleaning up the house, which I thought I was going to have to do on my own. And some Green Day or acoustic guitar, punk rock comes on and half the room knows the lyrics to the song and the other half is just pretending to sing along and they're shoulder to shoulder. And I'm so amazed because I curated this community. We ate together, we challenged each other, and we opened up in space and vulnerability. And I realized in that moment how much I needed that, how important it was for me to have a safe space with people that I could really trust, that could allow to serve and support me. And here they were, after the event had closed, here to serve me and help clean up. And I knew from that moment that this could impact so many more people other than just myself. And that's why I've dedicated my life to curiosity. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed Kyle sharing my story. It was really cool to experience that, Kyle. So I, I love that you created like a transformational container for someone to get a result so quickly. And like I said before, our friends listened to that version of the story. Like, I don't know if I would have threaded those things together in that particular way. And also, as you shared with me and you shared earlier, like this is an iterative process. So now that you gave that to me, you gave me an opportunity to come back and iterate on it and share on it. So, um, I thought I would I would share the new version of the story and then we can go from there unless there's anything else you want to say before I dive into the the new version that I haven't told before. <laughs> I'm excited. Fire away. All right, let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the first time I've ever told this. So here's a if if it's if it's not the prettiest, it's because I'm still working with Kyle and he's helping me I shape it, it up. <laughs> I love it. So here That's we go. What we want. Let's do it. All right. So I want to take everyone back. It is a cold and cloudy November day in Wisconsin. And I'm driving around in a rental car, feeling completely numb and completely lost for several reasons. The first of which I'm driving a rental car because the month before I hit a deer going 60 miles an hour, so I don't have a car. Uh, The second thing that happened is my world had just been turned upside down after a fallout with a business partner. And the third thing was that this partner was actually connected to a community of people that had become some of my best friends, people that I, I was really close with. And with this partnership ending, I felt like I didn't know who my friends were. And what was worse than all these three things combined, though, was the fact that this falling out made me realize that I didn't know who I was. I realized that I didn't know what I wanted. And this has been going on for God knows how long I've been trying to be please others and be influenced by others instead of really knowing what I wanted at the core and pursuing that. On this day in November, my calendar was completely empty. I had no one to talk to, and I just wanted to feel something. So I ended up finding myself at Lake Michigan on a beach. And again, this is Wisconsin in November, so it's cold. There's not that many people around, but the few people that are around are sitting and staring at me like I'm a lunatic as I peel off layers of clothes and start to go into this ice-cold water. And so I start getting deeper and deeper, and... If you haven't done an ice bath before, you know, or if you have or you haven't, what happens in the ice is your time just slows. And in this water, in this cold, I realized that things needed to change. I was disconnected from other people, but what was more painful than that was that I was disconnected from myself. And I was, as I said before, I was so influenced by other people, I didn't know what was actually myself. And so I knew I needed to solve this. 
And so my first reaction to solving this was I need to go and learn and figure something else out to get myself out of here. But what I realized is that there was no new thing left to learn. The answer was actually the opposite. I had to subtract. I had to remove what wasn't me, what was piled onto my life from other people and from society. But I had to do it in a fun and loving and playful and curious way that engaged my natural skill sets. So after a year of doing this deep work on myself, of looking at my own shit, of answering the questions that I didn't want to answer before, peeling back the layers, I found out who I was at my core. And what I saw was two of my primary core values. The first is childlike curiosity. And the second one is deep connection. And what I needed was to surround myself with entrepreneurs who shared those same values of childlike curiosity and deep connection. And when I realized that, I had this vision for bringing people together that I love that shared those values into an intimate experience. I would rent a beautiful Airbnb, it'd be in nature. And so I got this idea. And because I'm a quick start, I literally got the idea and I started texting people right away. Like I found an Airbnb, I'm like, this could be one of it. And I started texting people. One of the first people I texted was my friend, John Davey, who actually had mentioned wanting to do something similar a while ago. And in our conversation, I was like, did you ever end up doing the thing? And he's like, no, I didn't do the thing. I'm like, do you want to do the thing together? (laughs) So we ended up partnering up together. And uh, fast forward a few months later, we're in Park City, Utah at our event that we decided to call a curiosity quest. There's 13 people here that are all amazing, curiosity-driven, purpose-led, deep connection-focused entrepreneurs. And even though just 36 hours ago at the point of this story that I'm going to tell, these people were all strangers, at the point that I'm going to share with you, everybody had quickly become lifelong friends. And what was really cool is they had trusted John and myself to put together an amazing event, but they really didn't know what they were getting into because each part of the event was a surprise. And the most recent surprise was that we recently revealed that we were going to do a tube float down the Provo River in the beautiful mountains of Utah. And so we're in the river, the water was freezing and it was uh, very high and very fast because it was actually a record snow season in Utah. And at one point we all decided it's a good idea to try banding together our little tubes into a float pod. And so to make this happen, my friend David is like literally holding onto my foot, Maxine's holding onto the the handle of my tube and we're all kind of like in this, uh, this group. And suddenly we hit a rapid and pandemonium breaks loose and Kelsey's flying towards a rock and Ben flips over into the water and everyone's just laughing hysterically uh, as the things calm down and we all start to kind of like drift apart. And as I sat there by myself in this tube, in this beautiful location, I was by myself, but I was the difference here was I was surrounded with people that I loved. And I just closed my eyes and I felt so amazing because I had played a major role in curating this community of people that I loved so much. And I had subtracted all these things from my life to uncover who I who I was. And it was these this act of creating connection with others in this event that ended up creating an even deeper connection with myself. And not only, like I said, did they, they come in as strangers, but these people left as more a, a deeply connected family and connected with themselves. And the cherry on top of all this is that I was paid to be who I was for running this event as myself fully expressed. So this to me was my confirmation, my sign that I was truly put here on this earth to create a more deeply connected world by catalyzing curiosity. And the best part is I feel like I'm just getting started. There you go. Wow. There's there's my new version, Kyle. How did I do in three days? <laughs> how how do you feel right now? I feel epic, dude. Um, I can peel back some of the changes that I made because Kyle, you didn't Kyle didn't know any of those changes that I had made prior to doing it, but I, I can share on that and some of the reason I put behind it. But I'd love to hear your thoughts initially. <laughs> Absolutely. First of all, it's it's a super honor and um I I only work with people who have a high degree of integrity and they don't necessarily have to be quick starts, but they have to really like wrestle with these things in order to bring back ideas like what you just did. Otherwise, this doesn't go anywhere if you don't commit to like engage with these thoughts. And so I'm very grateful for that and all of the work that you put in. The 80-20 for this story, that the smallest amount of change that would make the biggest amount, two things. If you speak in the present tense instead of the past tense, Mm. it will increase the viscerality of the story. Tell me as if it's happening to you before your eyes as you speak. The second thing 
Um, you've done, you did well with the cold water details, peeling off the clothes and little things here. And another excellent detail would be people talking in quotes. John Davy said, Brandon, you're super sexy or whatever, <laughs> but just having, having people talk in quotes registers in a different part of the brain than people were happy and people were this. And we want to light up as many different places as possible. And this is one of the places that people most commonly miss. And it's a very easy change that can make your language very dynamic and dimensional. Love that. Epic. Yeah. Thank you, dude. That was so much fun. And I'll, so I'll share one other thing. So I want to give credit. I give credit to him like every day because I love him. Michael Roderick. Uh, so shout out to Michael Roderick. I shared like an initial like a really, really messy version of this with him yesterday is because he's a really great thought partner. And so I shared it and he shared this concept because um, Michael Roderick, for those of you who don't know, he was he was on my show. If you want to go listen to his episode, he's he's amazing and has connected me to some other amazing humans. He's a great connector. But Michael's world comes from theater. He was actually a, a high school teacher turned uh, Broadway producer. And one of the things he says that's really common in cinema is something called bookends. And it's essentially like you have the beginning of a story, and then it parallels with the end of the story. So he heard me telling the story of going into the cold water. And he said, you know, it'd be amazing is if there was actually a moment at this event that had to do with water, but it was the exact opposite feeling. I'm like, holy shit, I have one of those. <laughs> so, so I, I, if you obviously you heard the earlier version, we told that story of like people at the end of the event singing green day together, which was amazing. And to, to me, that was a very special event, but I love the juxtaposition of sitting in cold water by myself in Wisconsin winter with nobody around to the end being in cold water, but surrounded with people that I loved uh, fully expressed, which was the exact opposite of where it was before. So that was some of the intentionality that went behind that adjustment to the the conclusion story versus uh, where it was before. I love that. Um, there's, there's a lot of depth in that's called parallel language in a lot of ways. And there are are some really powerful techniques, particularly at the end of a presentation to leave with a call to action that you can use that on. But I have a few more uh, little pointers that, that yeah. aren't the 80-20s, but flourishes that you can add. Sure. So, so I would start the story. First thing, I would have less meta narrative, and I'm sure it was because we're like explaining it to the audience right now. But like, I'm going to start you with this or this moment in the story that I'm going to tell you about now. Remove sure. that. Yep. Um, okay. Start hot. And what I mean by that is I'm just the, the beginning of the story as I'm walking into the the lake in Wisconsin and I'm taking off my clothes and nobody knows why I'm doing it yet. Mm. Nobody knows why I'm getting in the water and I'm getting in the water and I'm feeling the cold ice up my knees, at my waist, at my nipples, right at my collar, wherever, how far you get down to. And then Tell me, like, tell me about the cold and tell me about all the problems you're having when you're in the water and mm. in the intensity of that. You, you talk about the problems and then you talk about going into the water after. Mm. And I want to do it at the same time. And then you, you set a very good line that could be your universalizing statement um, where you could bring this all back around to the core truth. I knew that I didn't have any new thing left to learn. This wasn't a learning another thing problem, which is a very important framework that I think a lot of the people that you speak to, yes. we love to learn more tools and to add more tools. And it does feel like progress when we start doing that, but it's not actually always a solution. And so this is a really important paradigm shift that you hint at and, and uh, move away from the learn more, achieve more, work more. And so how I would say something like that, bringing it back together, you know, it was my story and it took it, it took this business falling apart or this, you know, tragedy that really revealed to me how important it was to know that it's not about learning more or achieving more or grinding more or working harder. But in fact, it's in being able to relax and release and allow the power of curiosity and imagination to guide me. And that's what I'm going to teach you today. Love that. That's epic. This is so cool. I am excited for V3. <laughs> like that's that's, that's 
that's what's a ton of fun about this. So I will I will uh, make sure I send you Kyle like a, a new version of this last stuff in, integrated, and then maybe we can I'll, I'll toss you all the assets and you can share this however you want so people can see the the full arc of it because this has been super super cool. So Kyle, thank you for playing full out as always. Not like this is a very special and unique episode that is I can count on the number of two fingers because the other one actually ironically the other person that did this with me is Michael Hag, uh, who's a, a Hollywood storytelling guy, and so we've worked. I guess the the storytelling format works really well for this, but this is unique uh, to be able to do this. So I hope you listening, you got like a really cool ninja jujitsu storytelling lesson of like knowing me and hearing Kyle's uh, frameworks and then seeing it integrated throughout. And I know there's so many parallels that you can leverage inside of you and your life to tell more effective stories. So Kyle, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, and so there's, there was, there's a question that I started asking towards the end. Um, but before I get there, I should ask, do you have just a few more minutes in case we go a little bit over? Do you got to jump? Okay. There was, there's, there's, there's my interjection really quick. So I'll ask one last question and then I'll ask my final, final question. Like any final concluding thoughts that you want to have on story? Cause otherwise if I asked the other question, it would just be like a, <laughs> a, a, an abrupt transition. So any final thoughts that you want to share with our friends listening uh, about the, the power of story or what you shared today that, that you, that you feel like is important to kind of put a bow on everything. I had one, but I, oh, here's what it is. Um, it's, it's not necessarily about storytelling, but I want to express gratitude towards you because this has also been a really unique episode for me. And it is very rare to have a host and as somebody who's hosted a podcast for over four years now. Um, it's very rare to have being on both sides of this conversation, somebody who's done the work and done the preparation. And we've had a relationship before, but you bring this to all of your guests. And it's a level of commitment and diligence in your creation that definitely, I mean, was the reason why I reached out to you again is because I saw that that was so evident in what you were doing. And it was so exciting to see the success. And I just want to honor your your craft that is coming through so clearly and brilliantly both in the story that we just told and in the work that you're doing on this podcast hmm. i appreciate that man well that that that's not what i was expecting but i'll take that thank you very much great conclusion i'll take that <laughs> i receive that i hear that and i'm so grateful for you as well man it's been it's been an honor watching you it's just i said in the beginning like but seeing like we both wrote books about optimizing our college experience. Oh, <laughs> we both traveled so all over the place. And here we're both talking about like creating deeper connection and stories. So it's been really cool following you and your journey as well. And I'm glad that we're back in each other's worlds in a different way than we were before. So um, back to the other question that I was going to ask then, and then we'll wrap things up is I would love for you to, to share, Kyle, what does it mean for you to be beyond curious? What does beyond curious mean to you? For me, that that means giving myself the medicine that I give with my clients. It means giving myself the space for my curiosity and my creation and my stories and listening to them with that same intentionality and giving them the space and the love that I so excitedly give to those that I work with. And it's it's an interesting thing that, you know, we are a lot of us seem to struggle with the core things that we help each other with. And valuing my voice and my stories is continues to be a powerful lesson in my personal physical health, spiritual health, mental health. And um <clears throat> yeah. Um so really being being my own best client and committing to my creativity every day all the time and sharing my my not just my tactical useful ideas but my goofy stories and my weirdness as well love that says the man showing up doing this recording inside of a really fuzzy robe that he just purchased which <laughs> which is beautiful and amazing so uh Kyle where can people find out about all the other incredible stuff that you're up to you can check out my books and my website and my podcast at thestoryengine.co, yes, .co. Or you can find me, I'm most active on Instagram at Hey Kyle Gray or on Facebook. There's a few other Kyle Grays. So if you search Kyle Gray Storyteller, um, you should be able to find me. Yeah, I saw like a really spiritual, I don't know who that was, but I saw... So, <laughs> so. <laughs> I got to tell you, as an aside, I've had 
chat GPT, write me a, a 300 word essay on the difference between me and that Kyle Gray. I'm very aware <laughs> of that Kyle Gray. And I'm going to have him on my podcast someday. He's the angel whisperer. And he's unfortunately more prolific than me. And every he's written so many books. He's like such a YouTube slayer. And every time I write a book, it gets attributed to him. Um, I have to get that corrected. That's funny. I'm really looking. I'm looking forward to listening to that interview. And it's really funny. It reminds me, as a final aside, the guy I used to work for, Jonathan Levy. He had on a guy named John Levy from his show, who's a prolific New York Times bestselling author. And so I don't know. Maybe there's a thing to having like a a name where there's two prolific people in the same space. It's just raising the effectiveness and proliferation of both of your messages <laughs> as you kind of like you have a JV going on unintentionally is what's happening. I guess. <laughs> I remember I was at a New Year's party on Hawaii, a very hippie, jungly one, and somebody asked me my name, and I pointed to an Oracle card deck that had my name on it on the table. I said, I'm Kyle Gray. That's me. Um, so yeah, that's that, that goes to show, hopefully, our name doppelgangers, we serve the, the rising tides where it lifts all ships. Yeah, and I hope if if you if you are listening to this, at some point in the future, and you searched Kyle Gray and thought you were getting the other Kyle Gray, and you got this Kyle Gray, then uh, you've been on for one heck of a ride. And, <laughs> and I just want to have a conversation with you listening right now, whether that was your situation or not, or you've been a longtime listener. Like, I so appreciate you. I, I say it every single episode, but I don't get sick of saying it because I, I say it with full heart. Like, you are absolutely what makes this show possible. And I'm so grateful for that. And the fact that you're still listening, still hanging out, still playing full out at this point tells me that you are somebody that is beyond curious to yourself and you're constantly expanding and growing. And my one ask is that if you have heard something today that you feel like is big for yourself or for someone else, that you just take a second to share this. Like, you have no idea the impact that this can make on someone's life. Maybe it was just hearing about Kyle's purpose in the very beginning about how he so beautifully shared about the human resource crisis and we need to leverage storytelling to tell more authentic versions of ourselves. Or maybe it was the unforgettable origin story talking about the three-act play, the painful moment, the pivot montage, the transformation. Or maybe it was hearing the story. Like there is so much in here that can absolutely transform someone's life. So again, my ask is that if you've been impacted by this, you just take a second to share this. You have no idea the impact that that could create. Maybe you share it. You don't even hear back from the person, but they listen to something that really helped them. So um, whether you choose to do that or not, though, I appreciate you so much for being here. And Kyle, thank you for being an amazing human being. Thank you for I'm glad I'm glad we've stayed in touch over these years, man. And I know this is just the beginning of more epic conversations. So I appreciate you, man. It's been an honor, Brandon. Thank you so much.